41 people in hospitals and uh, some people in critical condition. And that's why the numbers of uh, dead people can be much higher. Well, Russia exacted its revenge against Ukraine over the weekend, this after the bombing of a Russian-built bridge that connects Crimea to Russia. This is a, a major delivery hub, and it also is deeply symbolic to Vladimir Putin, who built this bridge to attach Crimea to Russia and didn't exactly take kindly to seeing it blown up. So what we saw over the weekend were these waves of bombing campaigns unleashed across the country into the centers of uh, Ukraine, places like Kiev, where they you know, aimed right for almost the capital cities and capital areas. All the targets were civilian areas, including uh, parks, children's playgrounds, tourist areas, city centers, and of course, key infrastructure, including power plants. The idea is that uh, Vladimir Putin and his uh, henchmen are vile animals, and their goal is to inflict as much suffering and fear on Ukraine as possible because they are desperate, they are embarrassed, and they are losing this war. But Putin's not going to go away quietly, if at all. And what didn't really get reported last week is comments um, are comments sent by Ch Chief of Defense Staff General Wayne Eyre, who told MPs just last week that, look, Russia and China are not stopping because they consider themselves to be at war with the West and with Canada. And he warned, we need to wake up to meet this challenge. Christian Luprak, professor over at Royal Military College of Canada, as well as an expert on all things security defense. Good to have you, sir. Alex, good morning. All righty, let's um, break down what has happened over the last couple of, I'd say, last 48 hours. We saw this relentless bombing campaign um, from Putin, who, I, I, look, I, I don't know if you can see this any other way other than he was extraordinarily irritated, embarrassed as to having that bridge, which he himself uh, cut the ribbon to, uh, bombed. Yeah, and I think you... And you capsulate there, I think, the essence of those strikes were, which was, first and foremost, in this case, a domestic audience, given how much flack he has taken for his uh, flagging military effort in Ukraine, especially by hawks, um, and the fact that there's now increasing infighting within the elites, including the guy who runs the Wagner Group, the guy who runs his Telegram channel, got arrested mm -hmm. by, uh, by national security forces in uh, Moscow. Uh, so Putin, I think, is trying to stifle the internal dissent by showing that he still has some capacity to strike. And effectively, he can't wage war effectively on Ukrainian soldiers. So he's waging war on Ukrainian, innocent Ukrainian uh, civilians instead. But I think what this also shows is his surprising relative weakness. So look, yeah. I mean, this is a country with massive arsenals and the best that they can get off is uh, a little under 90 missiles, half of which were, uh, and, and a few drones, and half of which were intercepted uh, by Ukrainian air defense. So this suggests that he's also running perilously low on uh, precision munitions, uh, and he's expending these on this broader terror effort against Ukrainian civilians um, instead of a military effort, which suggests that, you know, in my view, he's kind of given up on his own soldiers. Yeah. Meanwhile, then you've got Iran, um, you know, uh, which is, uh, you know, ba they, they back Russia, wouldn't do whatever Russia wants. I mean, they had to come involved and they, they lobbed off some missiles. So is that a sign uh, that they are that that Russia is depleted of weaponry now that Iran has to be uh, brought into this thing to start to start waging a campaign? Uh, 
I mean, we already saw the challenges with the Russian logistics system right from the uh, uh, right from the outset, and I think it shows that uh, Russia now has grave problems trying even to resupply its troops with munitions. Uh, and when your close friends now are Iran and North Korea, and not even China yeah. is in your camp, uh, you can bet that perhaps things aren't going quite as well as you're trying to sell to your population. Yeah. And so world leaders are going to meet today. Uh, the prime minister will be on a call with world leaders because, um, you know, Volodymyr Zelensky is begging. He needs more weapons. I mean, the, the thing is, Ukraine has to have weapons in order to defend itself and protect itself. And, and I'm not sure we can get them to him fast enough. Certainly Canada has exhausted its supply. But they need more weapons, um, you know, because there's still a lot that Putin can turn to, including his nuclear weapons. Yeah, so Germany that was dithering for months finally supplied its air for its uh, very uh, new and high, very precise air defense systems uh, to be used, I guess, to defend Kiev against uh, further attack. Um, the other well, systems. That, that, that's nice of them. <laughs> Uh, so, it well, took it only so took uh, six months for them to come around to uh, to yeah. that. And there is now a conversation by Germans about finally training Ukrainian troops on uh, the Mater vehicles as well as the Leopard 2 tanks. So I think the call today will be about, are you going to be intimidated by Putin? Because Putin is sending these messages to try to deter the West from sending precisely the sort of weapons that you talk about, more powerful weapons and more long-range weapons. And, of course, I think the response by the West needs to be the exact opposite. We need to stand up to Putin and show him every time he escalates, and especially when he escalates against innocent civilians, we will not stand idly by. We will then uh, take a further step in supplying precisely the sort of weaponry that Putin is trying to, uh, to deter us from supplying. Certainly, though, I mean, you know, we're going into the cooler months and, um, you know, the fact that they're going after infrastructure like the power systems in Ukraine, I, I don't know if that can be fixed. I don't know um, the situation with their inf infrastructure within the cities that have not been bombed out. But I mean, those are tactics he will use to uh, try to, you know, uh, launch as much suffering on the Ukrainian people because fighting a war in the summer is not as difficult as fighting in, in a cold, harsh winter. And that's what Ukraine is up against. Yeah, this is certainly, I think, part of the terror campaign and the intimidation campaign against uh, Ukrainian civilians. Uh, but it seems so far you, the, the Ukrainian authorities have proven themselves surprisingly resilient at repairing infrastructure, whether it's electricity infrastructure, water infrastructure, rail infrastructure, or even the fact that they're able to resupply their entire country military with petrol, even though the Russians have yeah. taken out uh, all the refining capacity. So this is really now uh, a battle for resilience. So the way we can also support Ukraine Ukraine is not just through weapons, it's making sure that Ukraine uh, can continue to be resilient against these attempts to essentially try to wipe out the ability of uh, Ukrainian society to live a civilized life. And so when you hear a guy like the chief of defense staff, General Wayne Iyer, when he testifies last week, you know, basically saying, look, Russia and China are in war with us and they're not going away, warning us we've got to be ready. I mean, some of his testimony didn't surprise me, but it sure should be an ominous warning because we're not ready in any capacity. You know, Russia's got 18 bases built in our in our Arctic. They've got, you know, nuclear weapons. They've got an arsenal of weaponry. Um, essentially, if Putin really wanted to make life difficult, he would have no pushback from from our country because we are just simply not serious about this, haven't made the investments. And I think the general was being quite polite when he said um, we need to be ready. 
Yeah, the corollary to this is the reconstitution order last week, uh, when basically the chief of defense staff uh, ordered the Kenyan armed forces to stop doing anything and everything that is not absolutely essential and focus all efforts on, re- on force generation uh, so that we can generate enough people to actually make sure that the Kenyan armed forces can perform uh, and live up to its mandate and the expectations of the government of Canada and of Canadians. So on the one hand, we live in this extremely dangerous world, far more dangerous than we've seen for decades. And I think this is part of the problem with the conversation that we're having, that many younger Canadians have never experienced a world this dangerous. And so I think are somewhat ignorant about uh, the challenges that it presents to Canadian interests, to stability and the prospects for a broader escalation uh, of the war. Uh, And at the same time, most Canadians have very little relations to our armed forces, so they don't appreciate how, how important they are to our security and what dire straits they're in after 20 years of neglect by governments from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, and not to mention, it doesn't really help when you get the President of the United States kind of freewheeling comments about Armageddon at a fundraiser when those kinds of comments really are not meant for a fundraiser. And, uh, you know, it, it begs the question of how much is political on this and, uh, you know, how much of it is true. But we will stay tuned to that.